Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Open wide for some soccer! The San Jose Earthquakes present The Soccer Hour on KNBR 1050. Brought to you exclusively by your NorCal Honda dealers. Now here's your host, Ted Rainey. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, happy to have kind of our first uh, meeting of 2023. Uh, really excited to be here uh, today. Um, you know, there's a lot of excitement around the club in preparation for what uh, we feel like is going to be a very successful 2023 season. And also very excited to, to be at this press conference to announce our new player, Carlos Cresso, here. Uh, as Jake just mentioned, a player that comes to us with uh, a vast experience both inside of the league and outside. Uh, and we're very excited to welcome him to the club. Welcome, welcome everyone. How are we all doing? It's another big episode of the Soccer Hour. We've got a great show coming up for you. But before we go any further, we are going to get into the press conference that happened last week for the San Jose Earthquakes where they introduced Carlos Guerrezo. We got some thoughts from Chris Leach as well as Luchi Gonzalez. So I wanted to make sure that you guys heard all of that. And then we will get into some of the interviews that I have done on Quakes Media Days on the 18th and 20th of January. Like I joked about last time, if they speak English, there is a high, high chance that I did interview them. But let's go back to that presser last week for the introduction of new designated player signing Carlos Gruezo. Matt Doyle, the armchair analyst, the big guy over at MLSsoccer.com, already calling it his favorite signing of the offseason. That is high praise, and it's indicative that uh, what we're going to see from the earthquakes under Chris Leach and Luchi Gonzalez, well, I'm excited about it at the very least. More from the press conference, Leach was asked if Grueso was the final piece of the puzzle for the roster. Um, look, Carlos is a big piece uh, in this roster build, right? I can, you know, Lucci can speak to what he's going to add to this team, uh, but we're very excited to have him a part of this, uh, a very competitive group. Uh, Fabian, look, I think, you know, I've said this before, but uh, we're always and constantly looking for ways of, of how we can improve the roster. So, um, you know, we have some good roster flexibility right now uh, and we remain opportunistic, but we do also feel very good about the current group of players that we have. There was a bit of a follow-up on that question a little bit later that uh, well, I'll see if we have time to get into it. But I think Leach is indicating that they always want to add to the roster. They always feel they can make themselves better, but that they also do feel good about who they have right now. And it's it's hard not to feel good about what the Earthquakes do have right now because I do look at the back line. That is where the big question mark is right now. But then, as I talked about last week, the signing of Gruezo does solidify the spine, which is something I asked Lucci about. We'll get into that in a second. But you do look at... Cruezo, Yule, Montero, Abobasi, that is your spine of where the earthquakes are right now. You've got Cowell, Benji, Espinosa as your primary wingers. We're going to see what exactly the fullback lineups do look like come game one, or at least in the buildup that we're going to see over these games at the Coachella Valley Invitational. But I do feel that with Nathan and Rodriguez in the middle, and then again, Cruezo, Yule, Montero, Obobese. I mean, that's 
that's good up the spine. And then you look at, again, the other talents that the Earthquakes have. You feel better about the roster construction today than you did one year ago. I know that for sure. And it's a reason to be excited about what's going to happen next. General Manager Chris Leach was also asked about, you know, the ease of which it will allow Gruezo to integrate with the Earthquakes, being that he's already experienced in Major League Soccer, and that's not always the case for every player coming from overseas and looking at the experience that Gruezo already has in Major League Soccer. Yeah, look, a lot of those factors, Robert, were, were taken in, into consideration, right? And I think we've talked about it here, but he, he most recently has played in one of the top leagues around the world in, in the Bundesliga, right? He's played in multiple World Cups. Um, he's also a proven commodity in Major League Soccer. I think he made the playoffs with three out of the last four years with FC Dallas there. Um, he's in the prime of his career as far as his age at, at 20, 27. So we're, we're very uh, bullish on, on him being you know, one of the better players in his position in our whole league. So a number of those factors and all of those factors were, were considered um, and, and giving us you know, a good feeling about adding Carlos into this group. Uh, we also feel like um, you know, this is going to give us the ability to, to free up some of our attacking players as well as Carlos um, um, can really command, you know, a big space on the field. Yeah, his ability to cover ground, if you go and look back at his film with Dallas or any of his uh, play for Ecuador, I mean, he just, he does. He frees up space because he can cover ground so quickly. He also has the ability to contribute offensively as well. Uh, this is a big, big signing for the San Jose Earthquakes. And the more and more I think about it, the footage I watch, the things that I learn, you can't help but be excited about what Gruezo can bring to the table. Um, I asked Lucci about how this signing allows him to implement his system and if this does strengthen the spine of the team and not be broken down up the middle. Hi, Ted. Good to hear from you again. Um, yeah, obviously, like Chris had mentioned, our process was to solidify and improve the midfield with a competitive piece, an experienced piece, a depth, a leader on and off the field, someone that can be a great example in the locker room, but also uh, align himself with the way we want to play and our identity on the field, which is with a lot of intensity, a lot of urgency. Um, and so those are the things that we saw in Carlos. Um, he's a proven MLS player. He's a one supporter shield, open cup, like Chris had mentioned, playoff experience. And I think uh, those things on and off the field are a way of life uh, in our league, which is a long season and not easy to do. And so the opportunity to have a player in the midfield uh, influence the group and be part of our spine, like you mentioned, and help our attacking players at attack and help our uh, defensive players stay structured and organized to defend our goal. It was a great opportunity uh, to bring it back uh, to, to this club and back to uh, an environment that, that I'm that I'm with. And uh, but I think the most important thing is is what Carlos said is that he wants to be here. He he wants to be a San Jose Earthquake. And I think any type of analysis we do with a player, um, no matter position or talent, uh, when a player tells you they want to be a San Jose Earthquake. That's the biggest, that's the best starting point that we can have uh, going into the next step. And then I followed that up with reintegrating Carlos into his system, countered with the fact that he has changed as a coach. He's constantly talked about how he's learned and grown during his experience previously with Dallas and most recently the United States men's national team. Correct. I, you know, I had a half a year experience with him on the field. I, I know him from the years prior in Dallas. Um, but, you know, already in a week, it's been a very positive transition. The locker room 
has a great foundation of uh, good human being, good character, hard workers, and already a lot of intensity and creativity. And so you can see Carlos uh, already integrating in that way with the team itself. Um, so it's going to take time. It'll be a process. Um, but we're looking forward to the to it progressing and potentializing. So interesting stuff there from Luigi. I think at this point we know that he's going to give a thoughtful and detailed answer on any question that you ask him, and I think that uh, you need to pay attention to what he says as well. Another question came in for Leach talking about if Gruezo fills part of that aspect of wanting the Quakes to overall be more competitive. That's me first, and I think your question, Carlos, and, and hope you're doing well, was was – uh, leaning back to the press conference with Lucci and that, hey, we need to make this team competitive, right? And, and, and your question is, is Carlos, you know, a piece of that? I, I think that was your question. And, and, and if so, I'd say absolutely. Um, you know, one of Carlos's best attributes, we feel, is his competitiveness. I don't care if it's 4v4, 6v6, or if it's a 1v1 duel. Uh, the one thing that is for sure is that we feel like Carlos is going to compete and compete um, at the highest level. Uh, he's done that in some of the best leagues around the world. He's done that when he's been here in MLS. And so having that competitive fire that's added, by the way, to a group that, as the coach will tell you, has shown to be extremely competitive in this first part of preseason it is a necessary ingredient to, to what we think is, is going to be good for, for success for us this year. Um, he is a competitor. Um, he's a guy that, you know, look – may not show up on the stat sheet in, in some ways, but in the ways that uh, we feel like we're going to utilize them, we'll, we'll show up um, um, in, in every other part of, of, of the field. And his competitive nature is going to kind of lend itself to, as I say, free up other players offensively, but then also make us more de- defensively robust, uh, you know, both in the center of the park as well as, uh, you know, in the defensive part of the field. So for sure, absolutely, Carlos is a key ingredient to that. And I think if you go back and you look at the moves that Leach has made since taking over as general manager, even in the interim of the summer of 2021, when they acquired Jeremy Abobasi, that was a big step towards making the Earthquakes be more competitive. Abobasi has established himself since that point as one of the best strikers in Major League Soccer. Also, you look at the development of a player like Benji Gikanovic, and you also have to pay attention to a guy like now Carlos Gruezo. And what we've seen with what Leach has tried to do to improve the back line and now we've got a competition at goalie between Daniel and JT Marcinkowski so I think Leach you know his entire plan since he took over was to turn the roster into something more of his own vision and make the earthquakes competitive and so what I see in terms of what he's doing this is what we are looking at the players he's bringing in Jamiro Montero is another instance of this that immediately made the earthquakes better established MLS players looking to take things to the next level for the franchise. But now this is the real test, because last year there were mitigating circumstances, for lack of a better term, around what was happening with the team going into the season. And as much as we all may have not wanted to admit it, but when you go the first seven games of the year without getting a win, that puts yourself in a very, very difficult position. Now, I've talked to many, many of the players who said that, yeah, they still had a chance to get back into the playoff race as they got deeper and deeper into the season. That's not like they gave up on anything, but you also have to be practical. You also have to look at this in the way of, yeah, you don't win a game for your first seven. You're in that big of a hole. It's going to be pretty difficult to get yourself out of it. And, you know, even though the Earthquakes did take steps to be a better team after the firing of Matias Almeida and implementing Alex Cavello as the interim head coach, 
um, it was still going to take some work to do, and there was still more roster change that was going to happen, and I think that we have seen more of that. Um, you look at the players that were added, Rodriguez, Acapo, Trauco, uh, towards the end of last year, and then you look at Grueso this offseason, you look at the uh, addition of Daniel, you look at the potential growth you're hoping to see from Benji, from Cowell. You obviously expect uh, Chris, Christian Espinosa to maintain his high level of ability, and last year he was phenomenal. I, you know, I, I really appreciated everything he brought to the table and now we see what the earthquakes can do to build on some of the small successes that they had a year ago obviously some of the players have changed some of the faces there's always going to be change from one year to the next but there is no bigger change than a new head coach who's doing things a little bit differently and doing things in his own way and I think that is truly the most important thing that we are going to see it's not just about the players it's not just about the talent it's not just about the numbers the metrics however you want to break it down I think that with Lucci in charge, you're looking at a wholesale change in the style of football the Earthquakes are going to be playing. I know they want to be dangerous. I know they want to be attacking. I know they don't want to play boring soccer. But even if you have a boring game and you win, you feel better about that than you do an exciting loss. You always want to be putting points on the table. And I think and I hope that with Jeremy Abobasi looking like he's ready to go, Cade Cowell, Carlos Grueso. I mean, these are the type of players that you are counting on to come up big in the early parts of the season when maybe the team isn't gelling as well as they will when you get to the later stages of the season. You know, maybe everything is not on the same page as of yet, but if you have talent, talent can go a long way in those early games and moments to help you get a win when the team is not all as perfectly in harmony as they will be later. Like, that's when you rely on Christian Espinosa to do something special or Jeremy Abobasi to have a big goal or a big play. Make something out of nothing, as it were. And yes, you would hope that Lucci will do everything possible to get the Earthquakes in a good place to play early in the season. But this, this is what I am relying on. It's the overall idea that Lucci and the talents can put the Earthquakes in a position to not be in a must-win game by the month of May when things feel dire. And that's how it's been the last couple of years. It's like you get to May and you don't know what's going to happen and you feel like it's, uh-oh, you know, the earthquakes better win now or this gets out of hand. I am hoping that things will be in a much better place when we get to May and talk about the earthquakes performing at the relative level that we expected them to and not trying to save the season when the season feels like it's just getting started because the last couple of years that's how it's felt and I, you don't want it to I mean 2018 that's how it felt you talk about 2021 that's how it felt you talk about 2022 that's how it felt um, 2017 got off to a good start and then there were ups and downs 2016 a good start but then there were injuries and things trended in a downward direction but you know, you want to be at a place where you're in the thick of things, where you're with the pack, where you're not trailing behind. And yeah, I would love it if you get out to a hot start and then a front runner. But, you know, it's not about how you start per se. It's about how you finish. But you would like to give yourself a better start overall, as opposed to being in a big, big hole that you've got to dig yourself out of. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a comedian. In my 20s, I wasn't like in a company, and I don't know like how marketing sales. Yeah, you're a brand, you're a company. Yeah, and... Like Jay-Z says, I'm a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. To that... Remind me not to quote any hip-hop lyrics again. That was just a big miss. <laughs> when you first said it, I'm like, yeah, he's a businessman. Yeah, I nailed it at the end. I pulled it together. It just took me a minute. The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
We are now joined by Paul Marie, who I got to sit down with at the Earthquakes Media Days back on January 18th and 20th as they were taking photos and doing all their promotional activities for the upcoming season. And this is what Paul had to say. All right, we've got Paul Marie of the San Jose Earthquakes joining us here on the Soccer Hour. And Paul, man, it's great to see you back here in Earthquakes Kit once again. Very excited for you. And it seems like the theme of what we talked about at the start of last year, you talked about how it was always get 2% better, just get a little bit better, just get a little bit better. Does it, does it feel like that's still what your mentality is? Yeah, always the same. Just trying to get better every time. Just the offseason is always like a good reset as well, trying to work on everything, rewatch every game, and then come back and try to do better. So that's for sure what I try to do. So you year. you go back and rewatch every game? I do, I do. I have, you know, we have a long off season, and uh, <laughs> every time, usually it's like after lunch. I just take like because we also have the game in like without the ball going outside. Like it just, mm -hmm. it's like basically like a take maybe like. 55 minutes and mm -hmm. then you just watch the whole game and then I just take try to see what I did good what I did bad and take a little note and then try to don't do it again or do it better interesting so when you're going back through that process I think it's hard because you're probably a very harsh judge of yourself do you usually write down more negatives than you do positives or do you try to keep it balanced uh, uh, that's for sure I'm probably the, the first one to criticize myself like the hardest uh, I in the past I was really hard on myself but I got better into it just you can't just basically like criticize so hard, you know, <laughs> being so harsh on yourself, but it's more trying to have more like, uh, like a professional eye on like what truly is good, truly is bad. Also, I try to see also what my teammates did well, mm -hmm. uh, what also the other team could do well. That's also like, you know, like you take like other big teams that did really well this season, Philadelphia and LFC, and I look at what they did well and mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, like we should improve that as well, you know? Yeah. Is, is there a future in coaching for you the way you're talking about this stuff? Probably, probably for sure. I, I mean, I just, I just love the game as well, you know? I yeah. born and raised in it and I just love to like, now into like more detail it's so I think it's so nice to to be in it to be living it and then to also like see like the coaching stuff you know now we have a new coaching stuff yeah. to see all they do and uh, I love that that part of the game this is year six for you man like can you believe that like I remember when you were drafted in 2018 like like that seems like a world ago like that's just like that again that's a long time ago and like you've just established yourself you keep on getting better better are you ready yeah exactly I mean for some, I always take soccer players as like a flower. Some some flower bloom later than other, and some mm -hmm. bloom faster, but might go bad, you know. So I always say like it's just patience, and also uh, I got the opportunity, the trust of the club, and then yeah, mm -hmm. like he's been, it's gonna be my sixth season, and yeah. I'm happy to be here. I love it. But you like I think back about the player you were in 2018, like not a lot of guys get faster as they get older like you've gotten faster like you've kept on becoming a better athlete like that's the thing is like usually dude comes out of college it's like maintaining that speed whereas you've become a better athlete like obviously you're a better soccer player but you're a better athlete too yeah i mean I also like in america like the the physique aspect of it is like very intense i probably gained like 15 pounds since really? year. yeah so i probably came like lighter than for sure i am right now so that's probably why my like uh, faculty to go faster burst speed like it's mm -hmm. so much better we train that on a daily basis also yeah. you're like 
you're like around professional that can help you with that you know when you're in college or when you were in academy like you're just working on like the the, the game stuff and mm -hmm. not so much on the physical especially in france like we're just ball based like yeah. the, the physical aspect has nothing to do it's like <laughs> all right can you do this fast with the ball done yeah and then i got here and they're like all right now we gotta work on the physical and that's that's a part that i developed i got probably 15 pounds and like that's helping me a lot yeah. during the game now to just yeah be faster stronger that's for sure yeah i'm still probably one of the lightest <laughs> Man, that's it. Less less weight to move out there on the pitch. Um, exactly. you, you talk about your French background, obviously. Was it was it tough to watch them lose in the World Cup final, or were you still pretty proud of them? Listen, uh, uh, tough, tough, definitely tough. But when you look at it, really into it, and you know the game, uh, we've been pretty lucky against England, lucky against Morocco, lucky. Now we go to the final, down 2-0 until the 75th minute. Very tough to watch. <laughs> They're having a tough time on the film, like this is mm -hmm. not going to go well. Then you get a little bit lucky, and, and on the 120th minute, you can finish the game with one last play, and the yeah. goalie made the save of, of a lifetime. Right. I mean, the story is beautiful for the Argentinian and Messi. And So no, as a, as a football passionate, like it is tough. It was tough, not going to lie, but it's a beautiful story. Oh, it was, I mean, it was amazing just to watch just for France to have the opportunity to defend. I mean, that's so hard to do. It hasn't been done since Brazil did it in 58 and 62. Like, there's a reason it's so hard to do. Like, just the fact that they were in the final again is is amazing. And, like, Mbappe. Man, yeah. Like, that guy, to watch him have the best day of his life and the biggest game he'll ever play in, that's, that's storybook. I understand he didn't win, but, like, everybody should look at that and be like, he did everything he could. Like, there was nothing more he could have done. It was incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. Having three goals in the final of the World Cup and still those... It is insane. Dude, I get chills it. thinking about it now. Like that, like that's, yeah, that's the best is. game. I would argue and say it's the best game of any sport that I've seen in my lifetime. Like that was incredible. It is. It is. Yeah, it was. As, Listen, I was in my house with my family and friends, just <laughs> screaming. Were you in, screaming. in France or were yeah, you? I was in France. Okay. Yeah, I travel. I was in France. Listen, it was insane. We're like 20 people in here, just like <laughs> throwing ourselves on the ground, like what just happened, you know? Like, but it was, it was, it was good. If you love the game, you love those. Yeah. How has it been with Lucci so far? Obviously, he comes off of the World Cup trip as an assistant with the U.S. I felt like when we were there last Thursday, the first opening training, I just felt like he was so positive, and I felt like he expressed like a willingness to like not he's obviously going to work with you guys but like I felt like he wanted to listen to you guys like I felt like that was something that he kept on hammering home is like wanting to have be able to have that open line of communication yeah that's for sure that's like I mean that's a new cycle with him but that's for sure like first of all we're taking a lot of information from him because mm -hmm. obviously with the work up and everything his background and we know that he's, he's here to help us and get better so like for sure we're the first listener of everything he's saying but also that's been good because there's a communication he wants to know what we think and how we can mm -hmm. improve as a team and what he's been lacking and so no it's been like great to have this like kind of like two-way channel between the coaching staff and the players i think that's how you get the best out of everything you yeah know? so it's been great for us what's your goal for the year well listen i 
me, I'm all team oriented. Obviously, I have some personal goal, but team oriented. Listen, I want to get to the playoff and I want to make some noise for our team. You know, like been here for six seasons and it's been rough and it's always been little excuses left right center I just want to you know I want teams to come to play San Jose and say okay this is a heck of a team to play against the mentality they have the culture they have is something that you can take off them you know and and go the farthest you know that's what I want and also for the people of San Jose who follow us and or the fans you know like it's tough for them it's yeah. every season it's like ah oh, something's happening you know kind of like ah uh, it's it's almost extra sports you know and we want to just be like okay I'm the field and together in the stadium and like bring the best out of each other last one what do you think of the new kit i like it personally i'm i'm a, I'm a fan of like trying to have some designs i think the last couple were pretty plain yeah not gonna lie uh, <laughs> i like to bring back some design i think it's pretty cool love the blue color you know? yeah no it kind of reminds me of the one they had in your in your rookie season yeah, the one that was the, the chevron style yeah so he this does. looks pretty sick man it but, is pretty sick i yeah. think people's gonna like it yeah. yeah he's got a lot of details nice well paul man love seeing you wear that crest man it's been great having you on the earthquakes i'm looking for more big things in your future as we go forward all right thank you Ted, for having me the Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a comedian. In my 20s, I wasn't, like, in a company. And I don't know, like, how marketing sales. Yeah, you're a brand. You're a company. Yeah. And like Jay-Z says, I'm a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. To that. Remind me not to quote any hip-hop lyrics again. That was just a big miss. <laughs> when you first said it, I'm like, yeah, he's a businessman. Yeah, I nailed it at the end. I pulled it together. It just took me a minute. The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Again, that was Paul Marie joining us here on the Soccer Hour. And now I'm going to bring in Brad Guzan, former Aston Villa keeper for years, played in the EPL for a long time, also a longtime member of the United States men's national team and coming back from a pretty scary injury. He had a non-contact torn Achilles that he suffered on April 16th of last year, something that I you know, ultimately hate to see. You know, The only time I will root against anybody that represents the United States men's national team is when they're going against the earthquakes. Otherwise, I want everybody to be healthy and doing well. I hate player injuries. Uh, but for Guzan, um, you know, just a really interesting guy, and at 38 years old, having to deal with a torn Achilles, not the best timing, but um, a really interesting guy to talk to, so I hope you enjoy my interview, which I did last week. And uh, again, hoping Brad will be ready to go as soon as he is ready to do so, but a fun guy, an interesting guy to talk to. All right, we now have joining us, it is Brad Guzan of Atlanta United, who is coming back from uh, a big-time injury. Uh, Brad, first off, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I appreciate you making time. I know it's preseason. I know that's a busy, difficult time for you. I guess, first things first, like, how sick are you of talking about coming back from injury? Like, I imagine you just, you're over it at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things, anytime you have a, a significant injury, right? It's, that question is always going to come up, and it's, uh, it's, it's been good. I mean, I feel good. I feel ready. Uh, I've been able to, to partake in, in all activities in, in terms of training and, and what's being asked of of the goalkeepers, but then also just, you know, the team sessions and whatnot. So, um, you know, I, I think if you ask our medical department, I, I medically cleared myself probably going back to, to last September or so, but mm-hmm. uh, they're happy for me to be back out on the field and, and in with the group uh, as, you know, same with, with miles. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's been good. It's been a long nine months, but uh, you know, the, the light at the end of the rainbow is, is certainly upon me. Yeah, man. And I, I remember when it happened, I think I got an alert on my phone 
And whenever I see an injury to an athlete, especially in Major League Soccer, since I work amongst everybody, you know, it's like I always say Major League Soccer is why I've got a, you know, roof and a, a nice house for my family. And, you know, my heart drops because I've, you know, my dad was a sports broadcaster, still is semi-retired, been around athletes my entire life. Made me think of when Marv's career unexpectedly came to an end, albeit his was a, a different issue, but we can say that both you and him share the, the non-contact issue. But just, you know, you go back to that point, you, you know, this long in your career, you've never had these injuries or, you know, anything big to speak of. I'm sure you had some achy joints and some other minor nagging things, but no, no major injuries. I mean, do you, do you think you were better equipped to handle it later in your life as it is? Because, I mean, I guess it's better to get injured when you're young. You probably heal a little bit faster, but your mental strength is probably that much better now as a, as a 38-year-old, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, you know, I remember when the, the night it happened, um, you know, I was, I was pretty ticked off. I knew exactly what I had done uh, before the trainers had even got, got out onto the field to, 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 to reach me, right? And so I knew... I knew I'd torn it. Um, uh, you know, it, it hurt for maybe a handful of seconds, and, and then uh, the frustration and, and, and the anger set in, and mm-hmm. that's why I was so disappointed. And um, you know, you go through obviously a, a wave of different emotions, uh, but I told myself by the time I got into the, the training room that that was the, the ste- you know that was that was day one. That was step one of, of the recovery process, and. Um, you know, I couldn't change what had happened. I, I couldn't go back in time and, and replay the game and, you know, take that part of it out. So it is what it is. Um, and I think my mental, my mental strength was, was tested at times, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but my support system around me has been fantastic going from my wife and my kids, um, you know, all the way down to the support staff and the medical staff here at the club. Uh, you know, everyone was, has been fantastic with, with the process. And so, um, that's allowed me to get back out, out on the field and, and feel, feel normal and, and feel that, you know, I'm able to compete again at, at a high level. Did you ever have doubts or were you just kind of in it from day number one? Like, no, I'm coming back from this. Yeah, it was, it was always, that was always my mindset. That was always my, my motivation. Um, you know, of course you, you read things on social media and, you know, not that I sit there and spend half the day reading, reading different comments, but you hear what people are saying. And, and of course, when you're 37 and you tore, tear your Achilles, it's, Oh, this is going to be the end of him. This is, you know, he's finished and this and that. And, uh, I didn't want my story to finish like that. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't know how my story will finish, but I knew that was not the ending that I wanted. And so every single day getting up, um, whether it be going in for rehab, going in for treatment, um, doing the things that, you know, are just boring and tedious that, you know, aren't any fun. And you want to be helping the guys, especially the year that we had as a team and as a club, you want to be on the field with your brothers and, and helping them and uh, be there in difficult moments. And, and I couldn't do that. And so that part added frustration, added anger to, to my process and my recovery. Um, but at the same time, I, I knew that I had to, to follow those steps that were being given to me to, to give myself the best chance of, of being where I am now. And, and that's back out on the field playing. Terrible question, but was there something nice about having miles there going through it as well to where you had somebody to relate to? If even if that's the most negative framing I can ever come up with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, we, we laugh and joke about it, right? Because it was Ozzy Alonso towards ACL the week mm-hmm. before I did my Achilles. Uh, we had another goalkeeper at the time who, who had an Achilles as well. Uh, and then Miles did his Achilles after me. And so there were four of us with these long-term injuries. And then you throw in the, 
the odd guy that was, you know, with a, uh, you know, he was out for six weeks with a muscle injury or, or, you know, a, a ligament injury or something like that. And um, so our medical room was quite full at times throughout the year last year. And, um, but we didn't let that get us down. We used each other as, as motivation, as, mm-hmm. um, you know, to push each other, to, to be in the gym, doing our, our exercises. I mean, I, I can't tell you the amount of calf races, calf races I've done in the last nine months, man. But, uh, you know, to be able to have someone kind of going through the same thing and, and bounce questions off him and, and say, Hey, how are you feeling today? Or how, you know, when you do those types of exercises, what do you feel? Because, you know, there's no, there's no clear cut, Hey, you're going to feel this. You're going to feel that it's, um, you know, I may feel something different than he does when he does a certain movement or exercise. And, um, so just being able to, to bounce those ideas kind of off each other, I think certainly helped in terms of the 45 minutes you, you played last week. I want to touch on more of that in a second, but how different or does it not feel different? Does your body feel when you played those 45 last week versus a year ago in the preseason when you were at the same process doing the build up and playing them half and getting ready for the start of a season? Yeah. I mean, you know, going into last week, it was obviously, you know, I, I said to our medical staff afterwards, there were, there were a lot of emotions going into it. Um, you know, as, as the entire MLS, you know, our entire MLS family has mourned, you know, the passing of, of Anton and, and, you know, Anton walks and what he meant to our club. And so wearing the Anton walks, you know, the AW armbands and, and, uh, being out on the field kind of representing him and, and what he meant to our team and our club, that part was emotional. Uh, the fact that, you know, after nine months, I'm back on the field in, in a competitive game, that was emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you don't, you don't take for granted those types of moments. And so, you know, I know the performance wasn't great, um, you know, for myself and or the, the group. And so, uh, we know there's room for improvement, but afterwards I was able to, to, you know, almost smile at the fact that I am on the field and, mm-hmm. and I am able to, to say, well, that was a bad decision or, or that was a terrible play and, and that needs to be better. Um, but for me to be back out on the field competing and, and to do it with miles in that moment, that was, that was a special, that was a special day for us. Yeah, I, I would imagine, man. And I would imagine that was probably one of those things where you're, you're happy with yourself that you can be angry at your performance and be like, Oh, I didn't like how I played that ball. I didn't like how this went down. Like, I'm sure it probably took you a little bit during the 45 minutes and then afterwards to process all of it maybe you still are processing it yeah i mean i i don't think it's anything you just you know instantly stop processing right it's you're constantly looking at ways to get better whether it be from games or whether it be from training sessions uh the conversations that are constantly ongoing with with the coaching staff with the medical staff um with your teammates just about how the group is um you know i i know that i'm i'm strong enough i know that you know my achilles is repaired i know that it's um you know, as strong as it, as it ever will be. And so um, I think there's certainly a time period that you go through uh, with these types of injuries, these long-term injuries of trying to gain that trust back from your own body and, and trying to realize that, hey, you know, you are okay and, and you can go out there and, and do your thing and, and not have to think about it. And I think every time I'm able to step on the field in a competitive game, that that gets closer and closer to, a hundred percent if especially before we're not already there you don't have to say if you are going to be starting do you feel like you would be ready to start by the 25th or do you think there is still work to do i mean i listen i, I think there's definitely work to be done um you know but i i also know my work ethic i know 
the type of work that the coaches, especially our goalkeeping coach, Liam, he puts into to our sessions to, to have us ready to, to, to make sure that the understanding of, of me coming off of, you know, again, I've been training with him probably since September or so mm-hmm. uh, outside. And so going through all of those individual sessions and making sure that, you know, come February 25th, that was, that's the goal. That's the, the ultimate end goal to make sure that I'm available for selection and, and can be out on the field and, and hopefully help the team. And so I know um, with all things considered that, uh, that that's certainly going to be uh, realistic. Uh, obviously for me, it's, it's a continuation of a, of a, a long, uh, a very long process, but um, you know, that's the, that's the end goal and, and it's right around the corner. So uh, I'm excited by where I'm at uh, physically, mentally, um, you know, I feel good. I feel ready. And so, um, you know, the 25th, hopefully, uh, you know, all things considered and, and fingers crossed, we'll, we'll be ready to rock and roll. Other changes in the franchises in the franchise this offseason, Joseph Martinez departing, of course, a huge part uh, of the club and its limited history up to this point. One of those founding members like like yourself. And then you also look at at Garth coming in and taking in a, a new role up top. How is that? Both of those transitions, how have those been? Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, first and foremost, obviously, you know, you look at Joseph and, and what he means to Atlanta United, what he's done for this club, what he's done for the city. Um, you know, there, there's no, you know, replacing Joseph. Uh, you know, what he was able to do while he was here with this jersey on um, was, was nothing short of spectacular. And so, um, you know, that's, that's obviously, you know, someone that will be, that will be missed. Uh, but at the same time, I think we all understand as we sign up for this, this, this occupation, this job of professional sports, that, that these things happen in professional sports. And, um, it is what it is, you know, obviously we, we shook hands, we, we gave each other hugs and, and, and we wish each other well. Um, but, but I know that obviously when, when he's lined up against me, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be a competitive fight and, and, and I know it'll be the same for him. Um, and, and that's just the, competitive nature of, of professional athletes right and you know you mentioned garth obviously coming in and you look at his track record what he was able to do not only in seattle but all going back to, to salt lake and someone that knows the league someone that understands what it takes to be successful what it takes to to be at the top not only from a, a soccer standpoint but from an absolute like entire club standpoint mm-hmm. and so to have him um, be at the top of, of, uh, of our franchise, uh, I think is only going to, um, create, uh, more positive outcomes and, and, and a positive trickle trickle effect as it, as it worked its way down into, um, the front office, as it worked its way into the players and the, the soccer side of things. So I think we're all excited about the, the, the new horizons ahead. I wanted to ask you about the place of collegiate soccer in the modern American soccer system because so many kids are rushing into academies and it's becoming a more, I won't say the prominent pipeline, but it's becoming more and more prominent in the system. But like I, you had South Carolina, I was talking to JT Marcinkowski about his time at Georgetown. Uh, you know, there's a number of different athletes that I've talked to appreciate, you know, what they were able to do in college. And they think that, you know, maybe if a kid isn't ready at 15 or 16, then yeah, like that that shouldn't be where a guy's career ends. Some athletes do need more times to mature. And I want to say, if memory serves me correct, you weren't even just a goalie until college, right? 
Yeah, I, I played as an outfield player for my club team, the Chicago Magic, uh, up until I was 17. And, uh, you know, obviously went to college and was a goalkeeper there and was there in South Carolina for a year and a half. But, you know, going back to what you touched on, I think it's so important that every every player, every athlete, regardless of age, um, tries to find their own path because not everyone – not everyone has the same path to success, the same path to professional soccer or, or professional sports in general. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going to be different. Um, and that's because we're all different. And that's what makes the world a beautiful place. That, that's what makes soccer uh, such a beautiful game, right? And so um, whether somebody's ready at 14 to go overseas to a European club or whether that, that player at 22 is now ready to break into the MLS as a undrafted, you know, free agent sort of thing, right? It's everybody has their own uh their own story to tell and, and so i'm you know i it's not up to me to say to, to some 15 or 16 year old kid that you have to do this or have to do that or uh you have to go to college um i think everyone has to find their own their own uh their own pathway to to success whether that's on the field or off the field you're no stranger to the united states men's national team when things were ending at, at the end of the year i asked joe cannon about you know, how do you figure out the coaching situation? His take was, who do the guys want to play for? And he wasn't saying that as a, you know, as a vote of confidence for Greg or against Greg. And there were more things that had come out since then. But do you agree with that assessment that that as much as the top brass at U.S. soccer wants to be in charge of that decision, that that the players have to be consulted on maybe maybe first and foremost on who they want to play for? How do you even go about making that decision at this point? Yeah, I mean, listen, that's, it's obviously a tough decision, right? It's, it's not one to be taken lightly. Um, I think the, the one part that we have an advantage of, especially going into 2026, is the fact that we've already qualified. Um, and so I think when you look at it from the federation standpoint, they're in no rush or, or, or hurry to, um, to appoint someone just to appoint someone. They want to make sure they get this hire correctly, and they want to make sure that uh, it's someone that can not only – lead the group in, in, in the short term, but also obviously going into 2026. What they don't want is to bring someone in and then in 12 months realize it was the wrong hire and, and now all of a sudden they're, they're scratching their head and now it, it becomes a bit of a panic station mm-hmm. higher and, and now they're, they're scrambling. So I think they're going to take their time. Um, you know, in terms of speaking with players, I, I think they will speak to players. I don't think that will be the end all, be all decision uh, because, you know, as we all know in this game, um, you know, players, players come, players go, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a, at a club level, uh, you know, we talk about the, the Joseph Martinez situation earlier. Yeah. Um, and so players come and players go. And so I guarantee you that there's players right now that will be on the 2026 roster for the world cup that we're not talking about that we right. don't know about. Right. And so, um, there will be players that will develop in the next four years and be playing at the highest level, uh, and be selected for that world cup team that you and I aren't speaking about right now. And, and so it's hard to then say, well, I'm going to take player X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to, I'm going to take their word that they want to play for this guy. Um, but then players, A, B, C, D, E, F, they don't like that guy. And so it's, you know, you can't go and ask every single player in the player pool because you're, you're probably not going to get a unanimous, unanimous decision on who they should hire. Um, you know, because like I said, players, careers, they're, they're, they're up and down and players move on. And um, so I think they, they can take that into consideration, but I don't think that would be the, the final, that's what is going to make the final decision. 
Well, Brad, man, I know you've got stuff to do, so I will let you go. But I'm so very happy we were talking about your career and this stage and it being the build up to game number one of February 25th between the earthquakes and Atlanta and that you're part of this process getting ready for a new season because there were no guarantees last April, man. So do it as long as you can. I think that's the uh, the best advice I can give. I did appreciate you in the broadcast booth, but I was like, nah, give it, <laughs> give it a little bit more time. I want to see him back out there. But uh, thank you, Brad, and we'll talk soon. All right, man? Absolutely. Appreciate it. Take care. Again, that was Brad Guzan of Atlanta United and United States men's national team. And uh, yeah, really hoping for nothing but the best from him as he comes back from a scary injury. We're out of time. I'll see y'all next week, folks, on the Soccer Hour on KMBR 1050, brought to you by your NorCal Honda dealers. For the San Jose Earthquakes, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. This has been the Soccer Hour with Ted Rainey, presented by the San Jose Earthquakes and your local NorCal Honda dealers on KNBR 1050, the sports leader. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen.